Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. Guys, this was the week it all happened. Jim mm. Comer dropped the bombshell, the big one. We have payments from Hunter Biden to Joe Biden. This is it. This is it. This is the moment that Everett Fox and all the people have been waiting for. And what we have is uh, Joe Biden, as a private citizen, loaned his kid money to buy a Ford F-150 Raptor. And then his kid, again, this is when they were both private citizens, paid him back with three payments of $1,380. Three payments. Three payments of $1,380. Wait, it was only a $3,000 truck? No, the the Raptor is a very expensive truck, but I think the I think the big guy, you know, that's what they call him. <laughs> I think the big guy only loaned him a small amount of money to buy the truck. Like a down payment or something? Something. I don't know. But but the point is, look, don't get to just because this is in 2018 and Joe Biden wasn't president, don't let and that we're only talking about, you know, 1300 bucks. Don't let that distract you from the real story here about the Biden crime family. Well, wow. it's, uh, it's Chinese money, though. You didn't consider that. Oh, it's Chinese probably. money. And the Chinese are in there somehow. And you also had to, ha ha cannot forget my favorite exchange for Jim Comer when he's on, on I think, Newsmax this week. When Guy was out there, he was going, uh, you know, you can't underestimate that you do benefit when you loan somebody money and they pay you back. Yeah. It's like, you do? You yeah. benefit from that? I, um, yeah, we've got the emails here. I just had to pull this up um, of, the, of the bills, Hunter's monthly bills. You'll be surprised to find out that Hunter wasn't really doing a great job managing his money. Uh, he could have used Mint. I don't know. That's, <laughs> we don't have an advertising. Uh, yeah, don't say that unless they pay us. Yeah, but Mint, if you're out there, um, or, or a competitor to Mint, um, uh, he could use it. Um, he's got a kid in Sidwell, a kid in UPenn, I guess good dad, paying health insurance out of pocket, expensive AT&T bill. He's in the Yale Club and the 116 Club still. Might want to cut one of those out. That's $368 a month. A lot of money on candles. Uh, but there it is, reimbursement to JRB. They don't call him the big guy, note it here in the yeah. email. They call him reimbursement to JRB, 1300 80 bones. It is, it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, Aaron Rupar uh, did a tweet that I thought was, was really on the nose on this. It's frankly pretty remarkable that the chair of the oversight committee regularly blasts out press releases saying new evidence of impeachable offenses and they don't even make the news because everybody knows he's an unserious dim liar who's full of BS. Or that, that, because it's a deep state media conspiracy. Maybe. And I guess here we are talking about it. So, Jim, good news. You know, you made it onto Newsmax and OAN and here on the Bulwark podcast, Next Level podcast. We've got a, I've got a lot to say about this. We laugh at Jim Comer, and he deserves to be pointed at and laughed at. But it is pretty noteworthy about the state of affairs in the Republican House. And, Sarah, you also want to talk about Mike Johnson, that, like, these guys are this clownish. I mean, Gingrich was clownish in his own way. You know, but then you had Boehner and 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 McCarthy, and there were always some clowns in there. You had King. You know, you can always find your your Gomerts, but like to have committee chairs that are this fucking stupid, and and this big of a it's liar, just one and that aren't even good at chair. lying. Like up, I, up at the top of the power structure, things are going great, right, Sarah? 
Well, here's my question. So before we get to Mike Johnson, here's the thing that I don't understand about the Comer Hunter stuff is like they have amped up these voters so much to expect that they are going to nail Biden. They're going to get him. So what are they going to do now? Like, do I, isn't there a point at which the voters expect there to be some kind of a conclusion? Sarah, uh, if the voters are willing to believe that Donald <laughs> Trump had the election stolen from him, don't you think they're going to be willing to believe that something, something deep state prevented them from <laughs> finding the real evidence on Biden? I do right? think I, mean, I do think that's right. I just it does seem to me that at some point there would be a sense of wait a minute, did they not get him? How could they not have gotten him? I mean, but, we've I've stopped getting emails from our friends who are concerned about the Biden crime family. So yeah. you know, some people are, <laughs> some people are losing faith. I think um, I, I, there's something to that, though. I mean, I, I wrote about this a little bit, and I've written about this before. Is that like if you keep making all of these promises, like you have to pay it out some way, right? And so I'm not, I, I hear what JVL is saying. I don't, maybe not in this case in particular, they have to impeach him or something, but like the voters then begin to demand this sort of stuff, right? Like the, the bill comes due eventually, right? And what maybe the bill comes due in the form of, you know, Republicans in, in primaries next year all have to promise that they are going to do extrajudicial you know, uh, arraignments of Joe Biden and his crime family, right? Citizens arrest. Citizens arrest. And that makes them seem crazy. And that hurts them in their primaries, right? Or maybe they have to, you know, like, you don't just get off scot-free. You don't get, just get to tell people, and we saw this with January 6th, you don't just get to tell people that the president is illegitimate, that that he is running a crime ring, that he's taking Chinese money, and then the next day be like, oh, no, th never mind. We have to talk about Kamala Harris's you know, whatever, scandal. Tim, the QAnon people up. promised everybody that Trump was going to win and that Hillary and everybody were going to be rounded up and sent to yeah. Guantanamo. And they, yeah. like, had specific dates of this yeah. stuff. And, and, and the guy who was basically pulling all the strings literally came out and said, maybe the real conspiracy was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> and, and Q is still... It's still going. Out and proud going. Yeah. This is... The, I, you're totally wrong. Because this is a lifestyle brand. This is just a thing they do for fun. This they is, don't ever is, need to have results. They don't trip. need the wall on yeah. the southern border. They don't need any of these things. And the reason they don't need that is because things are going well in the world. And that's yeah. why they have the luxuries. Because they're not worried about unemployment. They're not worried about, like, you know, losing their houses and stuff like that. It's because, precisely because things are going well. And this, this is what decadence is. Then why were there this 90 Benghazi hearings? And why did they vote I, to repeal Obamacare true. 112 times, right? <laughs> like, there, you know, there are some consequences. These these things, both of these things can be true. I just, both of these things can be true that there is going to be, I think, maybe some frustration from some of the the talkers and the sewers of the, I think that the, the A, like, it's, you know, maybe the Bannon types, there's people who've been following this and juicing up their members uh, or their followers or their listeners could be like, boy, this is some BS and these guys failed us. Like you could see that happening, but also like they will move on to the next thing uh, and they will 
you know, are you not entertained? They will find a way to stay entertained. Can I just talk about Mike Johnson for one second, Let's though? Do. I just, this is, uh, I was just. Well, unlike James Comer, we've got a serious man <laughs> right, with the why, gavel. Neither of you have talked about how pretty I look. I was just doing television. Nobody noticed. I thought that was sexy. I did notice, that. and I just assumed you just came from TV. Uh-huh. Okay. You look well, great, though. You look yeah, great. I just didn't want, I wanted to focus on complimenting you for your intellectual power, <laughs> you know, like for your takes. <laughs> You know, okay. what you brought, the value you brought to the group, but sure. you also look great. Thanks. Okay. Any, so I was just, I was on TV and it, the Mike Johnson thing was uh, what we were talking about. And I was reminded, so what he did today was he went on out into the, he was like, stood at the podium and said, we're releasing all of the January 6th footage, but you know, it's taken us a while because we got to blur out people's faces because yeah. the DOJ might prosecute them if they see their face. And we want to protect them from prosecution. And there was pretty swift blowback from this because he was saying, we're going to help them obstruct justice. Like, here's what's crazy about this to me is that they are so deep, 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 deep in this idea of we must protect our own. Like, we are so partisan that, like, the DOJ is not a part of the American body of the rules of law and like that we might have to be on the side of actually sending people to jail who break the law because there are people that uh, is all just generally insane. But the thing that was craziest to me about it is that January 6th has now moved through what I don't, I need a name for the stages. Maybe one of you guys can think of the name for this where the first stage in Republican narrative for bad thing that happened, really bad thing that our side did, is the first phase is we didn't do it, right? It was Antifa. Antifa did. did it. They did Somebody it. else did it. We didn't do it. <laughs> and then the next phase is, okay, we did it, but what about? What about the Black Lives Matter protests? That was worse. And no, no, two -tier you're, you're wrong. The second stage is it never happened. The third mm. stage is... Okay, it happened, but this other stuff they did first. Don't you never get the critical because that pivot. The first pivot is, oh yeah, this thing is terrible, and it's all the fault of Antifa. But the next day two is, what are you talking about? It was all peaceful protests. They were just out uh, having know, picnics on I, the maybe South Maybe I lawn. did miss it because then there's like that means there's four stages to this. Uh, okay, I only hit three on TV, but the last stage is the yeah, heck yeah, we did it. And it was good and it was justified. And also, we are the victims of the by being state. persecuted for it, right? And mm. that is a really critical thing to understand. That, like what Mike Johnson is doing is saying to the voters and that, that the people who did January 6th are need to be protected from the lawman, from DOJ, who is out to get them. And uh, I find that staggering. And it is worth just us, uh, because Mike Johnson sort of looks normal and has a normal haircut, people just think he make, might be a normal guy, but this guy is out of his damn mind. And they did walk back the whole thing because they immediately realized, like, oops, we are talking about obstructing justice. We can't just... Uh, but it was basically... I, their walk back was like this tepid, weird thing. Didn't you work with that guy? What's his name? Raj. Raj, oh yeah. He's the one walking it back. Yeah, it'd be an understatement. Last time we talked about how we worked together, uh, somebody said that I really underplayed it and that I was Raj's mentor. 
And I was oh, like, no. I sure fucking hope not, but maybe. I don't know. Who knows? We'd have to ask Good Raj. job. I don't I think he's denied that. Thank you, JBL. Question. Thank you. So when they when they blurred out the images, did they only blur out the faces of the great patriots, but leave the faces of the undercover FBI agents and the Antifa agitators in? Or did they just do a broad brush and blur everybody? This is a great question. They were they were doing, it was painstaking. I actually wondered if this isn't just a delay tactic. Like, sorry, we haven't put out all the footage that actually does just show people attacking the Capitol because we need to take our time to blur the footage to protect you. Yeah. I also, I like to do sometimes a, you know, just, just to really drive home how obscene it all is and how Republicans get graded on such a different curve, like, you know, a, a counterfactual. So everyone was rightfully, including myself, just enraged by the people protesting outside the deli or whatever it was in Philadelphia. Was yeah, the, the, Jewish the Jewish deli. Yeah, the Jewish owner, the Jewish deli. Everyone was enraged about this, rightfully. Yes. And because it was enraging. I want you to imagine that Josh Shapiro, you know, got subpoenaed the footage from whatever, the deli security camp, and that he was the only one with access to it. And he decided to release it. And he decided to blur the faces of the Palestinian, of the whatever, protesters outside there to protect them because he's worried that they're part of his base and he might need their vote in the next election, etc. Bari Weiss would literally have exploded in California. Like she would not have been able to live another day. Like she and she'd sell, be right. And she would, right, she would have been right to be, but her self-brain would have exploded. I want you to go to the free press tomorrow and see if there's any articles about what Mike Johnson is doing. I don't think so. I don't think so. And and like there's this whole conage industry of people out there, faux centrists or whatever, that like do this sort of thing. Where like Democrats get held to this, this extremely high standard in these sort of situations. And the Mike Johnson thing, nobody would talk. If we weren't talking about this, nobody would talk about this, right? Like I, I, I'm so happy you brought this up, Sarah. It is absolutely crazy what they are doing. It is crazy. And because Republicans are like, we're the law and order party, rah, rah, rah. Like – like there, there, there is this kind of they, they can't get held accountable with with law and order voters, you know, for the way that they are subverting the law and protecting people that may or may not have attacked police. Many police got injured. We have our, uh, you know, Sergeant Gunnell, people with, with actual in, like injuries defending the Capitol. And the whole thing is is outrageous. And, and, and like, I think the key point to your, what you're saying, Sarah, besides the hypocrisy, is just that they're so deep in their own navel on this that they can't even see that. But the, the key point you, you hit there, Tim, is that it's because the voters let them get away with it, right? If the voters were not letting them get away with it, then the rest of the media and the rest of the world wouldn't let them get away with it, right? If Joe Biden was going to win 65 to 35, then everybody would be beating the crap out of Republicans 24-7. But the answer is the voters are totally fine with all of this. Now, maybe Republican they're not fine voters. enough to win, right? Republican voters, Primary. right? Maybe they're not fine enough to win a national election. But in terms of like, we're basically like, you know, a 45, 51 country or a 44, or 49 or whatever. And so like how many times can the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Economist or, you know, CBS or CNN say you know, as happens every day, this is insane. These two things aren't the same. And have the voters, like at some point they just, okay, we'll just, everybody says this is normal. We'll treat it as normal. Here are both sides. I love Liz Cheney on uh, on Nicole today, was really spot on on this, where she was like, at this point, Mike, just release everything. 
Okay. Like I'm, I want people to see it. Like yeah. I, I think that there was a period of time where I think rightfully, you know, the media and many of us and like the responsible pro-democracy circles are like, don't like, this is irresponsible. Don't do this. We can trust the January 6th committee. We don't want the bad guys to see the corridors in the Capitol or the exit routes or whatever. And, and I, I think that was legitimate, but like at this point now, that Tucker's gotten some of it and we've had some released with redacted, you know, we blurred people's faces and given them their Antifa masks digitally. Like at this point, just show it all. Just like call their bluff. Just like, all right, Mike, let's do it. You know, let's do it. Show, let's, let's show it all. Maybe you should host a viewing. For 40,000 hours. It's a lot right? of hours. It's a lot of hours of footage. All right, Tim, we got a special message from one of our sponsors. Hit it. Okay, we have a word from our sponsors. Let me tell you, there's a surefire way to wake up feeling fresh after a night of drinking. It's with Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic. Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic Drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics pre-alcohol your first drink of the night, your first drink responsibly. Looking at you, JVL, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. I got to tell you, we did this read last week and was mentioning it to people. My husband was mentioning it. We went out to a concert, went out to see Sky Ferreira, met some friends. People are like, hey, we do Zbiotics. So the word's already out there. I'm telling you, my I have my responsible friends here at the Bulwark, you know, people of letters, people of thoughts. I have my concert friends, the concert friends, they're all over Z-Biotics. That's something for you guys to think about. Before December 14th, this holiday season, give your friends and family a gift they will actually want and use with Z-Biotics. Go to zbiotics.com slash next level to get 15% off your first order when you use next level at checkout. Z-Biotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash next level and use the code next level at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and for my good times. Well, it's Wednesday. Sky Ferrero was great, by the way. I also don't. Is that like America? She was like an indie. She was like an indie pop singer in the in the late in the early 2010s, like 2013 was what really her peak. And uh, and she was like 17 years old, and she had a moment, and then she kind of disappeared, and she's back. And I just couldn't have had a better time. Magical. There's a there's a Republican debate tonight. Uh, You're not going to watch it. I don't know who you are. I'm going to watch it. I don't know. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the viewers. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you do with your life. Um, but I do know that you're not going to watch this debate. It's because it's on a cable channel called News Nation. Oh. News Nation. Just very recently. Is it also on Rumble? a record. It may be on Rumble. Who can say? News Nation set a record. Their biggest day ever in total viewership. Would you like to, would you like to guess their... Average number of viewers during the day with their biggest viewership in history? 500,000. Oh, my God, no. It would be more like 48,000. 63,000. Oh. 63,000 viewers. That was a good guess for me if Daily we're doing Price is Right style. That's true. And you won that. So that's what Cuomo, Cuomo, his mom, his brother. 
Is, is uh, O'Reilly on that one? O'Reilly is, I think, no, on there. I don't know if O'Reilly's no, yes, on. Is. Vargas, for a lot of ABC people. Yeah. The point is, the point is, the RNC is going around like doing favors to a cable network instead of trying to get the cable networks to do favors for its candidates. And there's only one possible explanation for this, and it's because the RNC understands this isn't really a debate and it's not really a campaign. No, Sarah? I mean, I, there's a little bit of intrigue on this one. Nikki Haley, is she has pulled even with DeSantis. She's pulling even in Iowa. Money's moving to her. DeSantis has had another unbelievable news cycle of, I mean, I don't even know if it was last week or the week before we were doing the NBC news cycle where they got in the, went to fisticuffs. Uh, but now there, there's like somebody lasted like two and a half Scaramucci's and now yeah, she's the gone. Head of, right. The head of his, the new head of Never Back Down Pack already out. Gone. She's gone. Yeah. And then uh, Adam, I had not realized that Adam Laxalt uh, was mm. also running. He's also stepped aside. Which means they were roommates, I think. I think yeah. They were like law school roommates or something. I, I had forgotten that little piece of trivia. Uh, but they, like, the death spiral is so bad. They can't keep anybody there. So, anyway, I mean, I don't know. Nikki pulling into a hearts, there's something there. You know, after the Coke endorsement and if she has a big night. The other question is I mean, So, why a, is the RNC hiding her on News Nation? The News Nation thing, I don't understand. It's also airing, Sebastian tells us, on the Megyn Kelly show. I don't know if that's a Her streaming podcast? thing. A Washington Blaze, Free Beacon. Maybe Washington oh. Free Beacon is streaming it. Rumble. And the CW. It's on the C. I bet the CW gets good ratings. What is Moesha the still CW? on? CW? <sighs> I don't know what's on the CW. Um, I do challenge, though, our viewers, uh, because we should get 62,000 YouTube views on this show. Yeah. We crushed it last week. We had like a hundred thousand. Yeah, we should do this because because we this YouTube show should absolutely dominate News Nation and the garbage that they're putting forward. Um, it's a cable channel geared towards teenagers. Yeah, I know. That's why I thought Moesha was maybe on. That's what was on when I was a teen in in eighteen seventy two. So the thing I like about this show is that you guys always make interesting points and says, and you're engaging even when I disagree with you. I couldn't even get to care. Like, Sarah bored me. I started falling asleep hearing Sarah try to tell me to care about this debate. Nothing against you. I just, I'm sorry. They're losing by 45 points. You aren't interested in whether or not DeSantis drops. Do you know that he, so Mm -hmm. I read a report today that he has been telling people uh, secretly that he wishes he had uh, waited a cycle. Uh, You don't care at all. No shit. Yeah, who, great. Who, if only he read the triad, because I kept I, I wrote that piece like seven different times. Yeah. Riverdale was on the CW. Riverdale. Now, they, and now had they put this, had they put this debate on like after or before <laughs> Riverdale, I might have watched a little bit of it. Is that the one um, where they did Roswell the and Arrow the were on the CW? <laughs> yeah, it was the Archie. Was go, the go back Archie. to DeSantis. The guy was go back to DeSantis. Stay on okay. topic. Fine. I'm sorry that what Tim's ADD is so bored. That what he is can't... there to say? Here's I'm sorry. Thing. What is there to say about the Let me the just topic. tell you the dynamics. Sarah, I'm interested. DeSantis could drop out. Nikki Haley could move into a really, like, a, a pole position second. He ends up having to drop out. And then Chris Christie drops out, too. The people in this debate, Christie made it, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Christie's Because they're up in the degree of difficulty here in terms of making the stage. And so he made it, which I find surprising. Uh, and then Vivek. So there's Vivek, Nikki, DeSantis, and Christy. It'll be a small group. Oh, and Burkham dropped out. 
Did you Who? see Burgum dropped out? Yeah. This was like when somebody dies and you're like, oh, that person was still alive. When Burgum yeah. dropped out, uh, I was like, oh, he hadn't dropped out yet. Which also makes me wonder, is that other guy still in? Asa. Is Asa still in? Asa's still in, I think. I'm sorry, just really quick as a point of privilege. There's no such thing as a pole position second. <laughs> okay. You can't be in the pole position okay, for second. S- somebody's going to go one-on-one with him eventually or like and, and that is that's going to be at least an interesting conversation. Let me ask, why do you think somebody will go one-on-one with him? Cuz let's pretend that tomorrow night after the end of the debate, everybody drops out except for Haley. Donald Trump is never going to just debate Nikki Haley. No, I know. Like, but there will be a two-person race, and she will get I guess. much more attention. Uh, and, you know, it'll probably be a 70-30 split. Uh, but it, I think that that is a more interesting conversation than Trump 40 points ahead, and then there's an undercard. Like, at some point, the undercard, you needed Ex- to stop. Explain to me why this debate is interesting in a way the debate between Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips would not be interesting. Uh... I think it's interesting because I don't know. I'm kind of because Nikki Nikki Haley. Let me actually let, is, let me try. Do you let think me Nikki Haley has a meaningfully better chance of being the nominee right now that, than Dean Phillips? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Not the yeah, least of which I would agree with yeah, that. You do absolutely. Okay, I don't yeah. agree with that. Okay. Well, first of all, let's just take your. Uh, you say this, and I, I I don't like it when you say it. And I don't think it's I don't think it's good. I think it's okay. bad morally. Sure. But if Trump dies. Uh, which again, I am not wishing for that. Uh, but but uh, if he dies, I care who is in that second place position. I would like for Ron DeSantis. Mm. Also, there was only two things Ron DeSantis could have done that would have made me happy-ish, right? He could have beat Trump because like I have said all along, anybody but Trump is preferable, is my preference, okay? So he could have beaten Trump. That would be one thing. Or I need him to crater in the most embarrassing horrible ways so that he is gone from politics forever. And I want Nikki to just, I do want her to destroy him. Like I have some skin in the game. I've also, and look, I'm just going to admit this. Nobody likes it when I say it, but internally I'm rooting for her somewhat. I can't help it. Like there is a part of me that, uh, are we all? Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not rooting for her against Trump. I'm like rooting for her just, yeah, in general, I mean, I'm rooting for her against Trump specifically, yeah. but like, I'm also right. rooting for her against these other people. Like, I'm rooting for her against Ron. I'm rooting for her against uh, even Chris Christie. Like, did anybody see Chris Christie came out and like knocked her around for her abortion stance? This stuff makes me crazy because what is he doing? He only has one job. And if he's not going to do that job, he should get out and let her take his voters because that's who they'd go to. They'd go to that's her. Why I need a shirt. What? That's why I need shirt. a shirt. This is I what was, drop out. Because I Christy? was right about Chris Christie the whole time. Everybody got mad at me. <laughs> um, I've been right about Chris Christie all the time. I'm also right about Nikki Haley. I, I, that was meaningful. The best pitch you made there, I don't know how long it's been going for, but the best thing that you almost got me interested by saying, if Trump dies, then there would be a race for second, and that would be interesting, and maybe Trump will die. So that that was that's intriguing. Um, the would race you rather for Nikki second? be definitely in second than sure, DeSantis? Sure, of course. Uh, yeah, I guess. I Would I rather that? I guess. I, would I rather it enough to spend an hour watching Megyn Kelly on News Nation with them? No, I don't. I don't, I, I, I'm I don't want it. I'm going to watch on the CW. I, that would be incredibly useful I information. Tom I don't want Fitton. it that much. I want enough. Tom I might watch Fitton. a couple. Don't t- forget Tom Fitton will also be asking questions. This is a perfectly normal thing that a normal 
totally, you know, respectable cable network would do. They would hire Chris Cuomo and let Tom Fitton do their debate. In the tightest shirts you've ever seen. Just all arms, that guy. You know what? But News Nation, they're not left or right. They're just for mm. common sense. Common sense. Right down the middle. Yeah, I don't, right. I, don't I got nothing. I, this, I, I, I have one we, other sentence, I guess, the debate. on the debate. One other sentence on the debate. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like, what is going to happen in the debate that's going to be meaningful? It's going to be different from the other debates. Like, that's it. Substantively, who cares? Like, what? We're just, it's a figure skating thing. We want Nikki to give him the old high heel to the neck. Hopefully, she, like, she gives the high heel to the neck. That's what to, we're hoping to for. To Vivek? To who? To DeSantis? To Sanctimonious? Yeah, I'd like to see. Or to Trump? I don't know. Is, maybe, is somebody going to attack the person that's winning? By, I just got an maybe. update. I, 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 I do have to self-fact check here. I, earlier, I said Nikki O is losing by 45 points, and maybe that she should attack Trump harder. Um, she's actually losing by 51 points. Where? Yeah, I was going to say 51. Are you looking at national Yeah, polls? I'm looking at the national, All real right, clear well, politics, national know. average. She's losing by 51. Okay, yeah, but well. it's tons of, tons of time, Tim. I, mean, I, yeah, I know that nobody has ever lost in like politics, 50. I'm not saying there's you know, tons of oh, I'm sorry. Let me move to Iowa. You're right. You're right. It's really getting neck and neck in Iowa. <laughs> 30, 33. <laughs> She's down by 33 in Iowa. Yeah. Well, 33. See, I mean, Iowa always breaks late, Tim. As a former operative, say, you know listen, that. You guys are, you are annoying. What's annoying to me about Tim is that. <laughs> What are what are we? What are we? Are sorry, we're political observers, and like we are, you can't. If the fact, the idea that you can't be interested in any of this stuff is stupid. Of course, you can be interested in this stuff. If Nikki Haley beats DeSantis in Iowa and then he drops out, that's still fun. That's that's the good stuff. That's mm. all we get uh, before we go into the hellscape of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden and what might be one thousand, one thousand third party candidates. Oh, also, did everybody see the Washington Post today? <laughs> the big headline, Liz Cheney not ruling out third-party bid. Uh, I did see that. That's okay. a head fake. That's I think a it's head a head fake, too. I assume but that's I just, so. Yeah. But I told you how much this, th that she'd start her book door and it'd just be like, Liz Cheney third-party on top of everybody else. In your defense, Sarah, this is a politics podcast, so ostensibly I should care about what happens in a political debate. I just don't. And so I just am trying to be my authentic self for the listeners. If I have to watch Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis debate and talk about it, I am going to watch the Republican primary debate. Good luck finding hearing it. your take on it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This time of year, the focus is usually all about what you're giving to someone else. But the holidays are also a great time to give to yourself. Self-love is as important as any gift this season, whether it's by going a little easier on yourself during the tough moments or treating yourself to some much-needed rest. Adding therapy to your life can also be a fruitful gift to yourself this time of year, as it can serve a safe space amid all the craziness and even serve as something to look forward to. Therapy is a great way to work through your issues. It's personally been a very positive addition to my life. Boy, can I tell you. It can help you become the best version of yourself and deal with the world around you. And if you want to give therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's completely online, and it was created to be convenient and flexible to your schedule. Just answer a brief questionnaire to be matched with a licensed therapist to start improving your mental health. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash the next level today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash the next level. We all need some help. Self care. That's what I'm Boy, doing do on Wednesday night. Uh, all right. Do, do you guys want to do like 30 seconds on Fetterman and, uh, and stuff? Or can we just move right on to the Harris Youth Poll? Because I really want to give Sarah the chance to, to give I, us I want to do two seconds on Fetterman and, the, okay. and, and if Go that's ahead. okay. I was Go unhappy ahead. with one thing Fetterman did, which What's was that? he did the cameo. With what's his fucking name? He did. So George Santos. So so John Fetterman paid George Santos $347 to troll Bob Menendez for him. Don't do that. Listener, viewers, look at me. Do not give George Santos a dime. If you think to yourself, I want to give somebody for Christmas a cute George Santos thing. No. Give it to the poor. Okay? Give it to a food bank. Do a cameo with somebody who has integrity and who needs money tripping on a stairs and he needs to buy a new fake watch. I mean, you know, like a man has needs. Don't give that man a penny. So I'm mad at you about that, John Fetterman. Besides that, Fetterman's been amazing. I mean, just going on the view and just owning Bob Menendez. Did you know anybody who two years ago, literally two years ago this month, was writing that Fetterman would absolutely be a senator from Pennsylvania and probably would be a top-tier presidential contender? Somebody was. I don't remember. Did you know anybody who did that? not going to be a top-tier presidential contender. Just settle down on that. Aside from the stroke, I'm telling you, in a world where he never had the stroke, he is absolutely the top of the list. Okay. 100%. He has crushing it. He has exceeded all of my expectations. Although to Not be mine. fair, I wouldn't say my expectations of him were like that high, but he is and here's the thing. It's I'm actually not the biggest fan of like his sort of constant shit posting style. He is at his best, honestly, when he's doing things like he's on the view and he's just showing moral clarity. Like he has shown in a in a world of just a whole bunch of people who like obfuscate and come up with their side wind and ways. He is like, has been as clear eyed as anybody. And he articulates, you know, the, the stroke, he still talks in a way that feels straightforward and real and that he believes it. Amen. Yes. He doesn't seem to be scared by the way, for good reason of the, Oh, a ban- we're going to abandon Biden. Oh, we're these far lefties and we're going to go along with a, uh, you know, we're going to go along with the Muslim banner instead, instead of Biden over all this. Like Fetterman, you might have thought that Fetterman would have been one of the ones who would have been most vulnerable to that, right? I mean, A, he came, that was the more progressive side was his base. He isn't a politician that has had as much, you know, kind of experience and kind of dealing with this sorts of stuff, but absolutely not. He, he has not been, and it's for good reason, because this is a tiny group of people Hamas has like a 1% approval rating in this country. Our friends at Politico wrote about the swing state Muslim leaders who launched a campaign to abandon Biden in 2024. And then they listed the people. And these leaders is like a guy that beat his wife and another person who does most of his interviews about how he likes, how he thinks we should have whipping as a form of punishment instead of jail. He wants Sharia law. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we should have Sharia law. It's like these people are. The guy who is pro-Hamas, who is objectively pro-Hamas. Yeah, that's the group. You know what? The Democratic Party doesn't want guys like that in the so, coalition. So anyway, so Fetterman has not like cowered at all to that group, which is, I, I guess, a low bar. But it is just important to say that when people are stepping over the low bar and doing it clearly, 
uh, particularly since there are so few people that are doing that. And that's the only bar we've been asking for from Republicans, right, this whole time. That's all I've been asking for. I haven't asked them to go full Tim Miller, but just to be like, these crazy people outside storming the Capitol, screw these people. These people are insane. And, I, you know, I love America. I love the Constitution. Uh, Joe Biden's the president. That's so all we're asking. So this week as this happened, the Texas Republican Party held a vote over whether or not they were going to ban people, like ban its members, from associating with neo-Nazis. And the vote failed. <laughs> it's like the easiest layup in the history of, I mean, first of all, if you have to have a vote where you're going to like, hey, we maybe we need a rule telling that our members shouldn't meet with neo-Nazis. That's a problem. Then they right? can't go to Nick Fuentes' conferences. Right. And also, Democrats, you have got to relax. The way that that Politico article flew across the internet and everybody is looking for signs that Joe Biden is just going to crater support over the Israel stuff or whatever. And people, I don't know why people are addicted to the bad news Biden things like, oh, it's all terrible. Not this guy. Okay. That Politico story, like... I don't know how many people know that that was just like four guys who are like the worst guys ever. And one of them was a literal Trump supporter. Like stop sharing these things and like freaking out about all of them. Just calm down. Calm down. I mean, be and also, alarmed, but like not about this. And also Politico. Yeah, Politico. Okay, calm down. You know, like you don't need the clicks that bad. Okay. Things are going fine. You got bought by like a German industrialist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like it's they, fine. They, you don't need to need chase clicks. clicks anymore. All Hard right. All right, so we have a new poll, the Harris X youth poll from Harvard, surveying voters 18 to 30. A lot of interesting stuff in it. This is going to dovetail very nicely, Sarah, with the conversation you just had on the focus group with Peter Hamby. That was the first episode of the focus group in a long time that didn't make me want to put my head into an oven. Mm, that's that really nice. Good, that was a really good episode. Here's the big takeaway from the from the, the poll. It's very good news for Biden. Um, so there has been a decline in youth voter enthusiasm to vote in the 2024 election. But almost all of that decline comes from Republicans and then independents. Democratic young voters still very, very excited and like a 2% decline double-digit declines for independents and Republicans. Uh, and you see this even more when you break it down by college, non-college, college-educated young people, uh, who are, again, core constituency for Democrats, still very elevated interest in voting. It's the non-college people who have seen the, the decline. Uh, here's the, the most important thing. So they broke out Biden's lead in the youth vote by propensity to vote. So there's like everybody then there are registered voters, and then there are likely voters. And amongst everybody, Biden is only plus 11. Among registered voters, plus 15. Among likely voters, he's plus 24. In 2020, he was plus 24 among 18 to 30-year-olds. So this is pretty good news for him. The bad news is that when you start throwing third-party candidates in there, things go sideways for Biden. So the third-party stuff is right in the Sarah, like, wheelhouse. So I would just like to put a quarter in the machine and let you go. So I do have a little bad news. That I'm just going to say up front, which is that I don't like Harvard Harris as a pollster. I don't think they're that good. Um, that's 
You can take that for what it's worth, but they are one of my. Uh, is this like a like a personal vendetta you have? Is a Harvard Harris pollster a lesbian that like you guys had a <laughs> had a conflict with at a bar back in the day, or is it like a substantive? How do you, you think just... I spent my twenties? You want to spend my I have like fist fights at bars in my twenties, and, and those people didn't go on to become pollsters. Like I don't know. Uh, so no, I just uh, I don't think it's a particularly good poll, and I think it's not super well rated. Um, but I I have found them to be outliers often. Okay. Okay. So anyway, but that's neither here nor there. I, I want to stick to the qual side of it, which um, I agree it was a good episode. Part of it was because Hamby is so good. Uh, Peter Hamby was just excellent. He on was the show. fine. It was really you that was good. Oh, okay, great. Thank it's you always for that. You. I, I, I show up to the focus group not for the guests, but for you. Unlike on the Sunday Next Level show where I'm there for the guests. Well, it's funny. The focus well, group, you're the star. Uh, that's so true, though, on both points. So I, that's fine with me. Okay, well, uh, my wife and father-in-law both recently told me that they would like a lot less of me talking on the focus group podcast and just get right to the clips of the people, that they're there for the clips. Uh, and not, So that's fine. I take that. Hard uh, disagree. That's fair okay. feedback as well, I think. <laughs> Anyway, the, what, what, to me, the most interesting piece, now I think you should go listen to the show, but I'm going to give you what I thought uh, really surprised me listening to the young progressives, which is how focused they were on their local races. And uh, so, yes, they were down on Biden. They were really annoyed at the idea of another Trump-Biden rematch, but every single one of them was going to vote for Biden. Every single one of them was deeply alarmed by Trump, which is a thing that I have seen over and over again. It is why I am less in the bedwetting category than some of our Democratic friends. I do sort of want people to like wake up. I want Democrats to start fighting back. I want the Biden campaign to start pushing a lot harder to have more sense of urgency. However, I do think that I just see this over and over again with the groups, especially with Democrats or even swing voters, is that when push comes to shove, Trump's on the ticket, they'll vote against Trump, which is why the third party stuff is so bad, because again, you are building an anti-Trump coalition not a pro-Biden coalition. But this piece where the these young people seemed very clear, so many of them brought it up, where they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, obviously I'm going to vote for Biden, but like, I'm excited to vote at the local level. I think their local candidates are more diverse, tend to be younger. Uh, they feel more connected to them. They care a lot about abortion uh, and making sure that they're having an impact in their local races and making sure that they have pro-choice candidates. And so... I wonder if there's not the makings of a real reverse coattails election where actually you, fo you know, normally it's like the presidential, the coattails go down to the local level where Democrats actually focus hard on getting people out on local issues and that that redounds to Biden's benefit. Well, that relates to, I guess, my big observation from the Harris poll is the you know, just in the continuing changing coalitions that we have right now in the Trump era it's like the reliable voters are people that are Democrats. Uh, it's not across the board, right? There is a reliable voter Republican said, but but as a just generally speaking, Democrats are doing better with reliable, conscientious voters, right? People that turn out and want to turn out, and and we see that in the numbers, right? And and then we start talking to people that are non-reliable. Trump is more appealing to them on balance. I get now he doesn't take the lead or anything with Democrats, but just by share. Right, like a vote. Trump is more appealing with the non-reliable voters. This is true uh, uh, with older folks too, but I just thought it was particularly stark with this younger cohort. And I don't think that a lot of Democratic strategists and commentators, really, I mean, I guess the people that are really paid for this have figured this out, but the commentators like haven't, it hasn't sunk in. 
and the activists, right? Like they're still in this this framework from the the two thousands, right? When it was true that there were a lot of non, there were a lot of Democrats that weren't turning out. There were young campus people who were smoking pot. They were you know, um, younger voters of color that that were disenfranchised and maybe have access and, and you know, for a variety of reasons and, like, their whole systems were about turning these people out. It's kind of like most highly conscientious people, the ones you want to turn out, there are some Democratic voters that you want to turn out that I think are a little lukewarm on Biden. But your anecdote there that a way to do that is to get them to care about the local races just shows stereotypically, like the type of person we're talking about here, mm-hmm. which is like a conscientious person that's likely to vote, you know, that is not the case. Like, you know, Obama, Romney, right? You can, We're just stereotyping here, but a stoner sitting on their couch at Ann Arbor deciding whether or not to vote on Tuesday, if they voted, it was probably going to be for Obama, all right? A stoner in Ann Arbor sitting on their couch who's deciding whether or not to vote is kind of a coin flip now. Right. Like it's like that has changed like that, 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 that dynamic has changed quite a bit. And that was very stark for me. Uh, like I kind of knew that, but just how dramatic that change was in the, in the Harvard poll, even even if it is off a little bit, um, it was still like super noteworthy. So I have a question for both of you. Maybe you can answer. Maybe you can't. One of the reasons I haven't been able to get my head around the general election matchup numbers between Biden and Trump is because. Just, I don't know how to put this euphemistically, but generational turnover, right? The, the Trump does very well against much older voters. Biden does very well against much younger voters. It's four years from the last time. A lot of those Trump voters are dead. I mean, I mean, this is just, it's just fact, right? Some number of people who voted for Trump in 2016 and then 2020 are simply no longer with us. And, uh, you know, another big chunk of the 18 to 30 has come online. I just look at it. I'm like, geez, I mean, even with all that, where, where are those generational turnover numbers? Why is that stuff not working its way into the poll numbers? And maybe the answer is that, like, it's because Biden is weak with, you know, so many other groups that all that generational stuff gets swamped. Or maybe not. I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on this? I mean, I haven't looked at what the death rates are for voters in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Michigan, and Nevada. Because uh, that's where it's going to matter. Yes, there was more in redder, redder areas, ultimately. But also, in the early days of the pandemic, there was a lot of you know, uh, disproportionate numbers of minorities who were dying from COVID. I'm not so even like, talking about COVID stuff. I just mean like, you know, natural causes. You know, know, like somebody who was 76 and voted yeah, for Trump think, in 2020 just, may not I'm be around. I'm just looking at the fact, the deaths and mortality. We're dying about 1,000 people per 100,000, just to make the math easy. That's only point per year. That's only 0.1% of the country. Oh, so maybe it's, it's like 0.4%. So it's, it's 0.4%. You have another 0.4% coming in. We're just doing fast math here. I, I'm a I'm a political poly, that's poly com major. That's almost a net major. swing of 1%, right? Yeah, and I think that's getting offset. I think that's getting offset yeah. right now okay. by by Biden's weakness and other with other groups. Yeah, and the fact oh, that a lot of the well, new yeah, Republicans who came in are now coming in as Republicans for Trump, right? They're coming in because they like Trump specifically, as opposed to eight years ago, there was a bunch of Republicans who were like, "Well, this isn't what I wanted," uh, and like those people have moved. So, all right, Sarah, can I ask you one other question about from your Hamby conversation? Mm-hmm. Well, I think maybe the most interesting thing you guys talked about was young Republican voters 
and how the young Republican voters are not like just sticking with Trump, hoping to go back to like normal, moderate, good Republicanism the way like so many old Republican voters are, yeah. uh, especially in media and conservative elite world. These are people who like their entire formative experience politically is Trump. And that's what they're there for. Yes. Like they wouldn't know what to do with a Mitt Romney or a John Boehner. And it might not even appeal to them. Or Nikki Haley. Like when you ask people, you know, who do you like? The, there were only three names. It was Vivek, it was DeSantis, and it was Trump. And uh, and many of them said, like, look, I'm a Trump stan, love Trump, think he's the best. It was interesting um, listening, you know, like people, somebody did talk about the debt. Like, there were some people who talked about policies, but, like, a lot of them jumped in with, well, I just believe in biology and that men are men and women are women. And I was, people, jump, they jumped the culture stuff. And I guess when I was that age, we talked about, like, the culture stuff was a piece, I'm sure, I, it wasn't like I was doing focus groups back then, but like, we just talked about policy so much and I'm, I'm aware that perhaps that is a selection bias or that's the people I was around and that perhaps it's always been a lot of people who are drawn to the Republican Party because of the culture war issues. In fact, I'm certain that that's gotta be true, but I was surprised by how little policy seemed to matter to these young folks. You were surprised by how little policy seemed to matter to Trump supporters? I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess you're, <laughs> part of it is like you're you're just leaving college. And so a lot of times like you're coming to your conservatism because you've been debating with the left on campus and you think, you know, you're, you're looking at, I don't know, you're like, like you talk about issues coming out of college and uh, as in a way that I think is different for people who are just like in their 40s. I have a lot more on this topic, but, but I'm going to save for another date. I just thought that just the clips... I thought were very clarifying about why the kids that were Republicans were Republicans and the progressive kids, God love them. Whew. Like they had a lot of feelings they did and a lot, lot of anxieties. And I just, I kind of wanted to hug them and be like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I hear you. There's a lot of bad stuff. I, I, even if it's not going to be all right. So, you know, was it going to be all right for Matt Damon and, and Goodwill Hunting? No, you know, who knew? But Robin Williams wanted to just sort of, you know, help him get through it mentally, help him get through his trauma, his personal... We didn't have that word back then when everybody wasn't talking about their trauma, but Matt Damon had his trauma in Goodwill Hunting. All these kids have their trauma, and I just, I want to hug them. And, like, then the then the MAGA kids were basically like, I don't really like trans people, and these people are annoying. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really, like, everything else just kind of washes away. Like, the the progressive kids had a lot of t concerns about society they wanted to have fixed, and the conservative kids thought the progressive kids were annoying and didn't like trans people. Like, that was basically the gist of it. You didn't get a sense these conservative young Republican types were reading a lot of Bill Buckley and Russell Kirk. <laughs> I didn't. That they had... They had really drunk deeply from the the Strauss, you know. Yeah, nobody mentioned the road to serfdom. Uh, huh. That's so interesting because I have to say that is what most of the young Republican types when I was in college were all about. Same. It was like reading books that were forty years old, and uh, but not today. Today it's just I don't like trans people, and those other people are annoying. Interesting. Good to know. Yeah, I do. I gotta say they were. I mean. The the thing about the, the libs that I couldn't get over was just like it's the existential angst of it all with the Dems. Like and they do sometimes when when people are just so on brand, like the girl who was just like, Well, my grandmother, 
you know, she's old and she has oh. some real problematic <laughs> views. And Joe Biden's about her age, so I assume he has some really problematic views. <laughs> Just like amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, it's funny, but mostly the kids were all right. The conservatives actually had a much more positive outlook, though. I mean, this is the thing. The conservatives are much more optimistic, whereas the Dems are just grim about the future and where we're headed. How could they conservatives be so optimistic when we're living through American carnage? And uh, this is, you know, everything's terrible. And the Trump's Biden crime back family and is the worst. Well, I guess he'll come back and fix it all. Unless the deep state stops him. We have, it's a, been a long show. And yeah. so I know JVL's ready to end. But we should just leave you. We should just leave you with JVL's favorite stat from the poll. We don't need to talk about it, but we just we really should leave you with it. JVL, right. do you now want look, do you want to share it or would you like Sarah, me to? Sarah, say I I will. I will. Sarah has has said, and maybe she's right. I I do not like keep my own private pollster rankings. And so it's entirely possible the Harris X Harvard Youth poll is is garbage. 65% of the 18 to 30 year olds surveyed said that their personal finances were good. 70% said that the economy is bad. <laughs> Just like everyone else. Just like everyone else. I think that I've basically finally won the, like, hey, the economy is okay argument, although I'm just going to keep doing wheelies on it and spiking the football oh, at least once a week. Oh, you guys can decide whether he wins this. He's, he's, this weekend's uh, focus group pod is me and JBL just listening to one young person after another talk about how impossible the economy is for. No, not just, no, it wasn't young people. It was everybody. We, everybody. everybody. It was everybody. Great. We can wait till Sunday I think I called then. some of them. Like, I, so uh, anyway, I bring that to you and you guys can make of it what you will. Tell me, tell me that I am wrong and I'm just missing the deep personal pain they're feeling or it's that they were, you know, it, well, inflation is cooled. So that, now what they're really, it's mortgage interest rates. That's what's really, and when mortgage interest rates go flat, uh, or tick backwards a little bit, then it'll be pork belly futures. Have you seen the rise in pork belly futures? How can we live in a country I find where people pork are belly pretty pork. gross? Inflation this, is this. not cooling. It is just not going up as quickly as it was before. No, that is wrong. That is right. that is wrong. Inflation was flat last yeah, month. Yeah, so it's still high. So it's still, it's like not going down. No, it's not. Right? It has not gone. We're no. not going to go down. If 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 prices go down, That's then we are fucked. That is that is called deflation, and deflation is accompanied by economic calamity. Stagflation, we, have, we, we had could also inflation. have. <laughs> we could go for stagflation. We had inflation, we have all the different inflations, and that's fine. It, but just don't. We had but then don't wage say. Growth. Sure, but don't say like the people are still mad that they're about how expensive their groceries are. Whatever. I'm not going to read you. They're this making we more do the, money. We do it for an hour. We do it for an hour on the focus group pod. Should check it I out. Can't I, I can't wait. I do not understand. In. You know, like a year ago, I had $100 and that could buy me $100 worth of goods. And today, uh, that $100 worth of goods costs $105. And sure, I'm making $110 now, but I'm still very mad. These people are the worst. Good show. Long show. It's been a great show, I thought. And I'm just excited. Everybody, I want everybody to really enjoy the CW tonight. Flip <laughs> on uh, Tia and Tamara. Flip on Riverdale, you know. See what the teens are watching on the CW. Roswell. Remember Let Roswell? Me know. Send, me some send me pictures of Tom Fenton's shirt. And uh, I'm just going to hang out. Bye. Bye.